Hi, everybody. So welcome to Digital Detox Secrets interview with Cameron Harold. Hey, Cameron, how are you? Good, Lisa. Good to see you. You too. So we're covering a very timely and important and serious topic that um, I've seen you speak about. Um, so Cameron, you're known as the CEO Whisperer, and you have a couple books that you've also written um, focusing on business. Um, you talk about in one of your live videos about how CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, they secretly suffer from depression and anxiety and this whole suicide epidemic that seems to be happening with the most recent Kate Spade kind of brought this to light, you know, with making me, um, you know, interview you for the digital detox secrets. Tell, tell us your thoughts. What, how does that relate? Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I think most, uh, most entrepreneurs and I'm talking about the entrepreneurial CEO tend to be on the spectrum for bipolar disorder. Um, they're also on the spectrum for attention deficit disorder, and many are on the spectrum for Tourette's, which includes thinking out loud. So when it comes to bipolar disorder, the mania and the stress or depression, um, the mania is why people follow us. It's the exciting energy. It's the passion. It's the vision. It's the kind of out-of-the-box thinking, and that's exciting, and that's why how we can get clients and suppliers and employees to come and join us. But it's a very lonely space in that entrepreneurial box because of all the additional stress that we have. You know, we're recruiting employees to come and work for us. Meanwhile, we're worried the business might not even take off or we're you know, trying to sign the biggest deal of our life. and We're putting everything on the line and we can't tell our employees a lot of what's going on. We often can't tell our suppliers and our customers. So the CEO lives in this very kind of constrained world um, and the stress mounts. And if they don't have outlets, either coaching or mastermind groups that they're in or, um, you know, groups of like-minded people, they can tend to kind of self-implode. And a lot of them also don't take the time off to decompress. Um, you know, they'll just continue to work and work and work and work, almost chasing the horizon. And that stress mounts up inside of them as well. So it's, it's interesting. The medical community has nicknamed bipolar disorder as the CEO disease. So it's actually not just a, a trait. It's actually very well known. And I'm not suggesting that other people don't have bipolar, but that's not the same as the additional stress that the CEO is under. You know, a normal human being with a normal job can talk to their supervisor, their peers, or their employees about what's going on. But the CEO often has to keep a lot of those things secret. Interesting. So what are some of those traits? You kind of rattled them off and at a conference that I was at, and everybody kind of raised their hand with them as you called off each one. So tell us about those traits. Sure. Um, I can actually just quickly look them up for you and, and rattle them off. But, um, you know, you're often filled with energy. Um, you are, you know, finding when, when people criticize you, you take it very, very personally. Um, you're often working on little sleep. Uh, you often get euphoric. Um, you may burn out periodically. Um, you, they're just kind of operating in a, in a very different zone, I guess, than, than the normal human being does. And I think what's interesting also is that, you know, when you hear the CEO, you know, you think of, you know, it always has to be a big, big business. Um, you know, CEOs are also small business owners and it might not even be, uh, might even be your boss that is, you know, suffering from depression and anxiety, but you, they have to have their game face on, right? <clears throat> yeah, they have to have the game face on because everyone's really buying into them and believing in them. So they're, they're often trying to sell the vision, but they're executing on today. You know, they're excited about where we're going, but they're trying to meet payroll on Thursday. Um, and, and a lot of those additional stresses just aren't there. You know, the normal human being gets a paycheck every two weeks. The entrepreneur pulls money out of their business when they can afford to pay themselves. You know, the normal human being goes to work and is guaranteed a salary until they're not working there anymore 
the CEO is leveraging their house and mortgaging and, and borrowing to, to keep the business growing. And, um, you know, often I think employees look at a company and go, wow, it's doing 10 million in revenue. Well, that's not profit. You know, that 10 million in revenue has to cover 6 million in expenses and $2 million in, you know, um, cash flow and $2 million in taxes. And this, the entrepreneur is pulling out 150 grand. You know, often the entrepreneurs are paying other people more than they're paying themselves. Yeah, so true. Uh, and you work with CEOs and C-levels every day, training them, coaching them. And I'm sure you see a lot of behind the scenes um, type of almost, you're almost like a therapist with them in some ways, you know, a coach slash therapist. But you've also gone through this yourself. So share what it's like behind the scenes, you know, some of your stories that you see, you know, with you personally, and then also with your with some of your clients. Yeah, well, I think what you start recognizing is the traits that that they're exhibiting, even what they're saying or the way they're feeling, um, certain certain signs that they'll say, and uh, or it'll be a crack in their voice. Um, and then I'll just start asking them, you know, what are you doing for fun? What are you doing to separate your time? Oh no, every you know, work is fun for me. And you start hearing some of the lies that you know either I've told myself or that I see as commonalities. So for me, years ago, when I burned out, I was written up in the Wall Street Journal as an article called Supernovas, for people whose careers went very high and flamed out with stress. Um, I thought that I was fine. You know, I was waking up in the morning, walking across the street to the office, starting work at seven, working until about seven o'clock at night, going for dinner with friends from work, having a couple Manhattans, having some wine, having a Grand Marnier, getting home at 11 o'clock, waking up and doing it again. Vancouver and thinking I was fine. I wasn't getting any exercise. I was drinking way too much and I was working 12 hour days and thinking that was normal. And I was constantly feeling the pressure of trying to catch up and knowing I was never going to catch up. And I just see those signs with so many entrepreneurs, you know, I'm only working this week to catch up. Well, you won't catch up because you're just going to set more goals for yourself. You know, the closer you get to catching up, you're going to set something else for yourself to chase after. So really trying to get people to detach from that even one of the things when we were starting our call, you said, you know, how much time have I got? Well, the reality is the reason I want to make sure that we break roughly on time is because actually I'm going to walk my kid's bike down to the bike store and then I'm going to go for a walk just to decompress a little bit in my day, which started, you know, three hours ago already. Right. So speaking of decompressing, so the whole, you know, topic is centered around digital detox secrets. And if you could share, you know, some of your secrets on how, how you use digital to your advantage and then also how is digital using CEOs and, and how can we break free from it? What advice do you give on that? Yeah. One of the things I do is I try to actually leave my cell phone frequently in different places and not carry it with me constantly. Like last night I was sitting with my girlfriend and we were sitting talking and I just had my phone, you know, in the room and we were sitting up on the deck sitting talking. I didn't need to have it with me or a few days ago, I went for dinner with friends and I didn't bring it into the restaurant. I actually kept the phone in my car so I could go into the restaurant and have a dinner. Um, if I go golfing, I will keep my phone in the car. I won't take it out on the golf course with me. Like if I can't have a five-hour you know, um, game of golf, then you know, what exactly am I doing? So I think you need to, to kind of keep those, um, I guess, things in mind. And then also just realizing it, it, that we... I think it's a mindset that we're never going to catch up. You know, it is if we're chasing that horizon and we're only happy when we get to the horizon, we will never be happy. So it's just forcing yourself to decompress. I also really decompress by not reading a lot of business books and business periodicals while I'm on vacation. You know, last week I was 
on a road trip and I didn't, didn't really want to listen to any business podcasts, didn't want to read any business books. I was reading a book for fun and I was listening to music and I was enjoying the sights and hiking. I didn't want to be completely connected all the time and being okay with it. The fact that you can disconnect and nothing's going to blow up. Isn't that hard if you're a CEO or business owner, entrepreneur to, to disconnect? I mean, don't you, isn't everybody expecting immediate gratification with emails and text messages and notifications? Yeah, but I think it's also a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a, um, I guess, a boundary that you decide to set for your own company. Like I just interviewed the second in command for VaynerMedia for Gary Vaynerchuk's company. And he was saying that they're an always on company, that they expect all their employees to be on 24 hours a day. I'm like, that's cool, but that's not the way I operate. I, I don't want to be on 24 hours a day. I don't want my employees to feel like they're on 24 hours a day. And I don't think it's healthy for companies to expect us to be on 24 hours a day. The reality is, Nothing truly is that pressing. Like there's no planes in the air. There's no lives at stake. And, um, and I think it's a mindset that you have to decide what you're looking for. And I, I just don't want that as part of my business or as part of my life. I don't want to always be on. So speaking of Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, he's basically extremely influential right now to the entrepreneur community and, you know, kind of like the, this generation, uh, almost like Tony Robbins. And his whole philosophy, unless something's changed in the past week or two, is that he's always on. He's always, you know, five in the morning in the gym, always got the hustle. Family is really not in the picture, which is kind of extreme, right? For, for me, it's extreme. It's not, it's not the life I want. I'm not suggesting that he's not successful. He, he's certainly very successful. But I'm, I don't know if that's the kind of life that I want to be leading, nor is it the kind of company that I'm trying to build. So for, for me, I think that's just part of my vision of what I'm looking to build is more of a full balance. And and I also don't believe that, um, I know that if I'm at a cocktail party, I don't want to hear what someone does for work. I, I don't give a shit. Like I want to hear what they do for fun. I want to hear, um, you know, what their hobbies are and what their passions are and what they're into and what they're learning. But I don't really care what they do day to day. And so the reality is nobody really cares what I do day to day. So if that's all I'm doing, if I'm always on, then I'm becoming a pretty dull person. So that's why I try to disconnect and get my clients to disconnect is I want to have a more rounded lives and I think we bring more to the party. So um, tell us a little bit about some of your books. I know you just came out with a book. If you could tell us about that and yeah. tell yeah. There's the newest one, David Vision. So, um, yeah, I've written four books now. I wrote a, a book called Vivid Vision, which talks about how to get the entrepreneurial vision out of the mind of the entrepreneur and into the hands of the employees and customers and suppliers. I also wrote a book called Meetings Suck, which is teaching employees how to essentially unsuck their meetings. Everyone's been complaining about meetings, and I wanted to fix the root problem. Um, I co-authored the, the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs with Hal Elrod, and that talks about the morning success habits of a, being a successful entrepreneur. Um, and then also kind of the success habits for the rest of the day. And then my first book was called Double Double. And that's just all the systems you need to quickly grow the revenue and profits inside your organization. And I'm just trying to codify all of the lessons that I use with coaching CEOs all over the world and with growing the CEO Alliance. I'm trying to codify that and put it into books. I don't like being an author. I find it really hard to write books. Um, but I want to be able to share those those systems and tools with everybody just so that we can... I, I kind of find it... It's like the cheat sheets. You know, I think... Entrepreneurs tend to be like flies and they keep working, trying to get out the window and they're banging their head. And there's a door right here. If they go out the door, it's open. And I'm just trying to give them those systems to grow their companies. That's awesome. So speaking of codifying, um, you, you brought up the book, 
meeting suck. And you shared some of those tips at the conference that we are at together. And when it comes to just tying in digital and work-life balance, so the digital work balance, now when you go to meetings, if, if you're on a Skype call, barely anybody, I mean, if you're not on a Skype call, you, we're not really sure who's paying attention. You know, if it's a conference call, if they're checking email, their phones. So what do you say to when you go into companies and how, how do you run a, a, a meeting that is successful and efficient? So one of the things we do is we have all the all the people coming to a meeting check their phones at the door. So you don't come into the meeting with your phone. You sit at the meeting and be completely present on the purpose, outcome, and agenda. And if you're too busy to be able to sit and be present in the meeting, then don't come to the meeting. That's okay. Like it just means you've got other pressing, more pressing things. So we try to book the meetings in shorter periods of time, 15 to 30 minute meetings. Try to make sure that people are there focused on those core points and the only people coming to the meetings need to be there. Secondly, if somebody's taking notes on their laptop, it's okay. But if someone believes they're checking email or surfing Facebook, you can call them out on it. And then the person stops, turns their laptop. And if they are actually checking email or doing something else, they have to buy everyone at the table lunch. But if they're not, the person calling them out has to buy everybody at the table lunch. And it just keeps people focused. It's a nice, easy check. Um, But yeah, we really try to have everyone, including the CEO, check their phone at the door so that you stay completely present. I love it. Any tips on conference calls when nobody's actually physically in the room together? One is to have it on video as much as possible. So I leverage Zoom just so that people can actually see each other. You build more of a connection with each other and you can stay completely focused. Uh, Second part is to only invite people onto the conference calls if they need to be there, if they need to be participating in it. Otherwise, you really only have three resources, people, time, and money. And how do you get the highest return on those investments? And if somebody's coming onto a conference call you know, are, do they need to be there? Do they need to be hearing it? Are they going to be participating? How do you get them participating? So I think a meeting is anytime two or more people are meeting either face-to-face over video or on a phone call. That's what, what I consider as a meeting. So the, the principles of meeting suck apply to conference calls as well. And it was actually written so that every employee at every company would be reading that book to learn not only how to run meetings, but also how to participate and show up with them. What's the biggest mistake you see when with meetings? Um, probably trying to over-involve too many areas where you're trying to have a meeting to cover seven things instead of covering two or three things. I say the meeting can have a maximum of three outcomes, just the three big things that you're trying to cover in that meeting. And if you're trying to cover more than three, you should really be booking a separate meeting and re-inviting the people that are most appropriate for those parts of the meeting. I think when you start inviting, you know, having too many areas, you start over-inviting and then a lot of people are just wasting your time. Awesome. So we talked about digital and working against us for entrepreneurs. So how does digital work for entrepreneurs and and how can we use digital to our, to our benefit and get the the maximum results? So I start looking looking a lot to Gen Y and even the younger demographic of Gen Y to find out what technology tools are they using to leverage their business and grow their business and then showing them what I'm working on and ask them for the hacks and the systems and the better way to grow. So instead of forcing the way we always did things. It's saying, this is what needs to get done. What's the better, faster way to either optimize, automate, or outsource? Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially as, as you get up into the late, um, you know, early Gen X and, and or late Gen X and, and early baby boomers, they're so stuck in the past of hiring a person to do something instead of saying, how can it be optimized, automated, or outsourced? So I love that word, optimized. That. I'm sorry? I love the word optimized. <laughs> Well, yeah, because a lot of times we'll outsource something right away. But first off, does it need to be done? 
Secondly, can we optimize it before we outsource it? Third, can we automate it before we outsource it? And then fourth, can you outsource it? But we tend to, we tend to jump to hiring someone or outsourcing it versus asking the other decisions or questions first. I loved one of your posts on Facebook. I was like, this is so smart, Cameron. Uh, you were you, you put a post out there about Asana and you wanted to pay $250 to learn Asana, you know, in two hours or, you know, whatever the hacks were, it seemed like. And I'm like, that's brilliant because otherwise, yeah, they have all the tutorials, but you just want to know what you need to know to make it as efficient as possible and put the word out to get, you know, did you find somebody? Because that was brilliant. Yeah, we did actually. We, we wanted to find out how to, how to best leverage Slack, Asana, um, and there was another tool that our team was using, I can't recall, um, but Slack and Asana as, as ways that we can run our business. And we didn't want to go on the general tutorials. We didn't want somebody from the company. We really wanted kind of an expert to teach us. Then I just figured, you know, 125 bucks an hour for a couple hours, so 250 bucks, someone out there can teach us over video how to do it. And so, when we, so we came onto the call with, you know, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're using or how we're managing our business. How can we use Asana to do that? versus, um, you know, how do we, we thought we knew what we were doing, but we were doing some stuff backwards. Right. So, I mean, I think speaking of Asana and Slack, those are two examples of digital that we could really use to make things more efficient as long as we're optimizing the process along the way. And, you know, maybe, you know, young baby boomers or, you know, certain demographics that are not, didn't come into this, they're not digital natives are just like, wait a second, I don't need one more thing. I, I have text messaging. Yeah, well, that's that's something else that I think we're trying to look at now is the adoption of, you know, new pieces of technology. And there's always the newest, coolest thing. And I think there's a bit of a problem there where we're not necessarily solving the, the root problem um, that, you know, text messaging can work great. In fact, VaynerMedia uses text messaging to communicate. They also use Slack, but they're they're choosing the tools very carefully and going really deep on those tools instead of always jumping to the latest and greatest. Um, you know, I had someone the other day, he's like, oh, I need to switch to, I can't remember what it was, Marco Polo. I'm like, what's wrong with Asana? Like, what's wrong with just using the tool that's already working? Um, and I think that's where people tend to go off is they think the tool is going to solve the problem, but a tool is just like a shovel. You know, if you, if you don't know how to use the shovel, if you don't pick it up and use the shovel, it's not going to work for you. The latest technology isn't going to help your business unless you know how to leverage it. And also where you're going, I think entrepreneurs have to be more focused on where they're driving their business and strategic about it versus just going faster. Totally. Uh, so can you share with us what is a day in the life of Cameron Harold? What does that look like? How do you operate your, your day and what, what can we ideas or inspiration can we get from you? Sure. So I'm, I'm pulling um, a lot of the ideas of what I try to do with my typical or my best days. I pull out of a book called The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. Um, so Hal Elrod codified the morning savers. And those stand for, first off, starting off your morning in silence, where you wake up first thing in the morning. And instead of like hopping onto your phone, you just kind of lie in bed for a minute and just think about the day and think about how grateful you are. Um, then after the S, it's uh, the A is for affirmations. You do your morning affirmations, whether you have one to three different positive sayings that you repeat to yourself. Then you have your visualization, where you either visualize the day that you're going into, or you visualize a call that you're having, or you read through your vivid vision, or listen to your vivid vision on what you're building. Uh, then your exercise, just even like a seven-minute workout or something to get the blood flowing first thing in the morning. And then reading some way to actually kickstart the day with, you know, 15 minutes of reading, whether it's something as inspirational or the daily stoic or, you know, a novel that you're reading, something to just allow your mind to open up a little bit. 
And then scribing, which is your morning writing, whether it's just writing in your journal or using a gratitude journal or a five-minute journal. Um, and just those are the, the basic morning habits. And then I go to you know a level past that where I have a, I finish my showers with a cold shower. I start off with um, all my probiotics and supplements, and then I have um, you know lemon juice, um, and just kind of go into the day from there. I also start by setting my my daily top three. So I commit my top three goals for the day to an accountability partner. So my daily accountability partner is a guy named Joe Polish. Joe sets his daily goals with me and I set mine with him. And that really focuses me as well. Otherwise, I just get caught up in the busyness. So how do you do that? How do you set the goals with each other? Do you? We use an app called a, a simple app called Commit to Three. And you can have an accountability partner or you can do it with groups. You know, you can do it with your entire management team or your marketing team. Um, or you can have a personal accountability partner in a business one. And you just set your top three goals and it emails the other person saying it was done. They can I see what your it. goals were. And it kickstarts that person to get theirs going as well. So it's kind of the first person to set their goals, jumpstarts the accountability. And then I you can that. see, yeah, it's a great program. It integrates with nothing. It's purely about focusing on your top three things. So do you have any favorites right now? What's your latest favorite product or something that you just love, whether it's you, you mentioned some you supplements that you take or what it, what's, what are you just so hot on right now? Um, what am I hot on right now? I like the R bars and the RX bars. I've been kind of snacking on those a lot recently. Um, and kombucha. For some reason, I hated kombucha when I first tried it. One of the women who's in our COO alliance, a woman named Rachel Pachivas, has um, introduced me to it at one of the CO Alliance events. And I just loved, you know, I hated it at first. And then I was like, no, I'm going to try this. She's so healthy and I'll just keep trying it. And then now I love the stuff. So uh, even my, my current favorite drink is bourbon and kombucha. I was just going to say at Baby Bathwater, they were serving vodka and kombucha. And, you know, speaking of Baby Bathwater, that was the conference that Cameron and I met at. And it's an amazing conference for entrepreneurs, business owners. So check it out, Baby Bathwater. Um, you can Google it. I'll put it in the, the comments here. So um, I want to be very mindful with your time, Cameron, but you gave some very interesting actionable tips in the live video that you did on June 8th about if you know somebody, if it's your boss, if it's a friend that's a CEO that may or may not be suffering, what are some things that we can do to reach out and, and, and help them? Well, one of the notes that I actually made recently was to consider your strong friend. Um, and I think a lot of times the person who we see as being the real strong individual in our group or our network or our peer group is actually the one suffering. You know, they seem to have it all together, but it's because they're holding it all inside and they're not necessarily sharing. So it's reaching out to them and just saying, you know, actually, how are you? You know, when you say, how are you? And they answer, oh, I'm good, good. You know, no, actually, like, how, how are you? Like, how are you doing personally? Or how are you like? probing a little bit and really getting in to know more about them versus staying surfacy. I also find that if people deflect too quickly into business, it usually means they're avoiding something. They're avoiding, you know, something personal, something physical, something that they're struggling with either mentally or emotionally. Um, and I think if you, if you just probe a little bit and you just take a little bit more time to care, that's when, uh, when you'll really uncover it. So I think it's, it's really consider your strong friend is the message I want to get out there now. One of the other um, pieces of advice you, you mentioned was to take your friend into, into doing an activity, not just going to dinner, going hiking, going, you know, actually doing something together that is a little bit more meaningful than a dinner or 
Yeah, well, and it's not even so much more meaningful as you know what else can you be doing that um, that is just fun and engaging that is either something off your bucket list or something that involves activities versus just the traditional let's go for dinner or go for drinks. Um, I have a, a friend here in town, uh, Chip Wilson, who is the founder of Lululemon, and Chip will go for a hike on the grouse grind four days a week. And if you want to join them at five thirty six in the morning, he'll go hiking with you. Um, but he won't meet with you for, for a drink or for coffee or in an office, but he'll gladly go for a hike. And I think that's a great way to actually incorporate people into, um, you know, getting more face time with people, but doing it in the right way. Brian and I, when we were building 1-800-GOT-JUNK together, I was the second in command at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Brian was the founder and CEO. We would go for morning runs a couple days a week. We'd just go for a 10K run, and that was a great way just to, you know, get some exercise in, but, but sit and chat. You know, Steve Jobs would go for walks with people. And he'd call it walk and talk. And so that's just another great way to incorporate something into your life. And then also, you know, just the old stuff of you know playing golf and go kayaking and get outdoors and do something that you want to do. Yeah, I think one of the other things that really made me think twice when I saw your video and I saw that post too about uh, the strong one is that when you're a business owner or entrepreneur, you don't realize or think like people actually care as much as they do. You have so many friends and it's almost like you're, you know, not collecting friends, but you're constantly networking and meeting new people. And um, that video came out right before my birthday. And I was kind of like, you know, in like a little bit of a bummed out state. And then I decided to do a fundraiser on Facebook for my birthday. And what I was shocked is that the people that were the first to donate to my fundraiser were people that I haven't talked to since high school. I mean, people that, you know, just old friends that I, I barely talked to except on Facebook. And I was just so touched by that. And I'm like, you know what? People actually that you don't even realize care, really care enough to do something like that. There are. There's a lot of people that they care. I think something I learned years ago from a um, psychiatrist I went to see or a therapist, I don't know what the hell it was, but um, was I don't ask for help very often. I kind of keep it in and, I, and I'm the strong person, right? So I don't often turn to others and ask for their help or their support. And they said, you know, put your arms out like this. And and I said, okay, so you're, I'm asking for your help. And when the person comes to help you and you say thank you, what do you do? You hug them. And how does that feel? It feels great. Um, so first up is asking people for help and feeling good about it and knowing that you're going to get something in return. But he said, secondly, when you help someone else, how does it feel? I said, it feels great. Like when someone asks me for help and I can help them, it feels great. He said, well, you're robbing other people by not giving them the chance to help you. Because if you were to reach out and say, I'm struggling, I'm having a tough day or a tough week or a tough whatever, um, you're, you're giving that person a chance to actually be compassionate and be human. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to walk each other home. So true. Well, Cameron, um, we're right at 1.30. Thank you so much. I just want to, if you could hold your book up one more time. Sure. And I'll put the link to oh. Amazon Meeting Suck. I love it. And Vivid Vision. We'll put the links in the comments section if anybody wants to check them out. And if you have one last piece of advice, if you could give, um, you know, for digital detox secrets, go for it. Yeah, I think I think it is that we're we are just all walking each other home. That this is just what we do to make money. You know, none of us really should be taking this so seriously. This isn't this isn't the most important thing we do with our day or a week or a month or a year. That. You know, today, what we need to do is live and enjoy life and, you know, smile and hold hands when we cross the street, right? All you need to know you learned in kindergarten. So I think it's just have fun today. Have a good day and, and be a good person. And remember, this is just what we do to make money. So true. 
Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. If you're live with us or watching the recording, watch for Digital Detox Secrets. Look for Cameron's book. And Cameron, hang out with me for a minute for the um, after broadcast party, okay? Sounds great. Thanks, Lisa.